Support for Starting Small comes from Human Scale, the leading designer and manufacturer of high-performance ergonomic products that help create a healthier work life. All of the products from chairs to standing desk and more are comfortable, easy to use, and sustainable, and great for either the office or the work-from-home environment. With an increase in shifting workplaces, comfort can be especially hard to find. As I run the podcast, I'm in front of my desk for hours a day, from scheduling, researching, interviewing, and more. Human Scale allows me to remain productive without the consequence of body stress to follow. Make sure to check out Human Scale at humanscale.com and use code STARTINGSMALL at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. That's code STARTINGSMALL at humanscale.com and enjoy the episode. Hello and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Kyle Widrick, founder of Win Brands Group, a holding company that acquires and scales direct-to-consumer brands, understanding that the entrepreneurship journey is a long road and you need the right people around you for support. Kyle went on to create Win Brands Group with the idea to help entrepreneurs and startups achieve greater potential around all aspects of their business. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Kyle Widrick of Win Brands Group. Kyle, thank you so much for joining me today. Cameron, thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So I'd like to start out with your upbringing. So where did you grow up and what was your childhood like? Sure. So I grew up in uh, upstate New York, a very small town, you know, less than 5,000 people. Uh, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. My dad was actually an entrepreneur. Uh, he was a builder, you know, building houses. And I grew up one of four brothers. Um, so, you know, rather normal childhood, I would say, when I look back, you know, my parents were definitely uh, kind of part of my journey in getting to to where I am as an entrepreneur, in the sense that my mom was just fully supportive, uh, and very much an optimist. Um, And my dad, you know, watching him and his business, you know, got me into that owner operator mindset from a pretty early age. Mm. For yourself, then, would you say you were hands-on lemonade stands or helping out with your father or anything like that growing up? Yes. I mean, I started working super early, you know, 14, I would say probably uh, as an age. And I did almost every job there is, meaning McDonald's and grocery yeah. stores and construction. Um, and I pretty quickly realized that, you know, if you can control your your hours and your pay, uh, that's a better way to work. <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. And I started, you know, painting houses and, and mowing lawns and doing things that I could control. But always for as long as I can remember, you know, had jobs and, and was trying to make money uh, in some way on my own. Amazing. So I saw you went on to study at Syracuse University in 2001. What did you study there? So I started out actually originally in engineering. And okay. I was very strong in, in science and in math, you know, growing up. So the guidance was, hey, you should be an engineer. <laughs> and I got <laughs> six months into it and it just didn't work for me. So, mm. you know, I had always had this background of, of business in some regard. So that became the next obvious kind of path. And so ultimately, uh, I majored in finance and accounting with a, a minor in econ. Mm. Awesome. With your time there, were you involved with any athletics or clubs? No athletics. Um, mm. I was on the, the fraternity circuit at Syracuse. So I ended up okay. being in a fraternity um, and at one point was the 
the president of the fraternity. So that was um, great and, and built a lot of really good friends. And actually, it was an interesting structure uh, running that organization. Um, now, also always had jobs as well. You know, through college, I remember having three jobs. I worked literally at the, the library. I worked, you know, at one of the, the local bars and also, mm. um, you know, had a job delivering uh, food. Right. So, yeah. uh, you know, my parents, I think, did a, a good job sending all four of us uh, to university. But the expectation also was that we were able to contribute in some way towards that cause. So kind of had mm -hmm. jobs on the side, did my work as far as I needed to join the fraternity. Um, and I always had uh, events going on as well. So I was kind of the guy organizing the New Year's Eve event and you know, doing mm -hmm. this trip or that trip or share houses. Um, so I think that early lawn mowing kind of carried forward. Yeah, for sure. So following college and prior to starting your own companies, uh, I saw you went on to work in venture capital. Uh, what led you to take this path following college? Yeah, it's interesting because I used to get this question a ton from people in the sense of like, how did you get into that business? And yes. the simple answer for me is, I came out of university out of Syracuse and I worked for the largest recruiter out of Syracuse called Pricewaterhouse. And mm -hmm. I was doing a job for them that involved M&A due diligence. Um, you know, pretty interesting for folks that like that, including myself, but rather boring yeah. as, a, as a finance job. Um, and my boss at the time got hired by a guy named Chris Birch and she ended up pulling me over as an analyst to work for her with him. And Chris Birch, who's the, the venture capitalist that I worked for, you know, larger than life personality. Uh, <laughs> he was a co-founder of the, the Tory Birch, you know, fashion retail business. Mm. He was an early investor in several hotel groups, uh, Voss Water, you know, interesting consumer companies. Yeah. Um, and so I was with him for almost seven years. And that involved you know, 10 meetings daily with all sorts of entrepreneurs pitching their ideas for him to invest in. We had some crazy meetings with, you know, literally everyone from Lady Gaga to Kanye West, you know, coming wow. through the office and either just talking about ideas or maybe specifically looking to partner on things. Mm -hmm. And he was also really focused on sourcing product. So that mm -hmm. was my early entry into spending a good amount of time in China and sourcing product direct from China. So uh, there's something called the Canton Fair in China that happens every year. And the Canton Fair is literally hundreds and hundreds of football fields worth of, of products being sourced direct from factory. So when you go and walk the Canton Fair, your mind is blown. I mean, you're yeah. seeing the jeans that you wear and buy for $200, you're seeing for $8. Wow. And you're seeing the the ring that you might pay $500 for for $5. So you start to get a real um, understanding of what things cost. And then our business was adding a brand on top of that. So properly branded, jeans could either sell for $20 at Walmart or they could sell for $200 at Bloomingdale's, right? Yeah. So it started to get me really interested in creating that brand value. Mm. So these fairs, for example, um, what is the attendee like demographic? Is it entrepreneurs coming in looking to start businesses with these products that are sourced or what does a fair like that entail? 
So it's a ton of uh, traditional sourcing folks. So head of sourcing for XYZ company coming to meet new factories, make new relationships, uh, similar to let's say the CES show in Las Vegas for anyone yeah. in the consumer electronics space. This is that for sourcing. This is the Super okay. Bowl. And then you start to have folks like Chris who had built a business previously by sourcing product very efficiently. And he would be there to walk the fair and get new ideas about product for existing businesses, maybe for new businesses. And then just generally to have an understanding of what things cost. And then what I started to see kind of in the later days, and this, this weaves into the Shopify story, you start to have ambitious early entrepreneurs launching their own business saying, hey, what if I just go to China and source my product direct? And that's going to leave me a lot more gross margin to market my product online. Yeah. So during this time, I saw like a, a small time span. You actually created another company, uh, Postgrad Apartments, aiding and helping recent grads find housing. I was wondering with venture capital at the time, was there a non-compete to do this or was this 100% like on the side later in the day? What was that? Yeah, you're really taking me back here to the post-grad yeah. days. Uh, <laughs> uh, this was totally a side hustle and okay. I didn't have a, a non-compete um, on things like this. You know, the way that Chris operated his firm uh, was we were basically spending 150% of our time with him. Yeah. So if you wanted to carve out another 10% on top of that 150, uh, feel free to do it. Uh, maybe you're <laughs> losing sleep. But um, yeah. so post-grad was one of my earlier entrepreneurial um, you know, uh, ambitions. And what we did was kind of leveraging the Greek community that I had built you know, with Syracuse. We went to various universities and we seated ambassadors at various Greek houses and effectively got them to refer us leads of seniors who were moving into cities. Let's say you're moving to Chicago, you're moving to New York City. Um, mm -hmm. Could we, as a real estate referral company, get that lead and then pass that lead off to brokers in the city that they're moving to, allowing them to be the broker that lands in that apartment? So mm. lead gen, lead referral business, um, ultimately that we actually sold to a competitor, um, I think three years into that business. Got it. That, that's very creative um, and innovative. Um, so following this time shortly, um, after you founded another company called Brand Value Accelerator, which is very similar to Win, it sounds like today, um, helping you grow in businesses in D2C. Um, what services did you provide here? And what was the overall inspiration towards this venture? Yeah, so B BV Excel or Brand Value Accelerator, we were one of the first uh, Shopify focused agencies. So mm. I was fortunate to meet the Shopify executives uh, very early you know, before they went public. And my partner, Dylan, at the time, he and I were both very uh, big believers in the ecosystem and the open platform that they were building and where that would take you know, this industry. So we decided to go all in on Shopify. And as we were uh, building websites and doing marketing services, most agencies would do some Shopify work, some Magento work, some hybrid, some demand where we made a specific point only to do work on Shopify. So because of that, we built a real expertise in that space. And we were lucky enough to work with 
you know, everyone from MVMT watches to Kylie Cosmetics, all the way up to P&G and Red Bull and some of the larger wow. firms who were trying to see, you know, what this Shopify thing was all about. So, you know, met with and worked with incredible entrepreneurs. And one of the big takeaways for me there that led to what I'm doing today with Wynn was that for every MVMT, let's say, there were hundreds of other brands that we were introduced to that had really great product and really great brands. They just weren't able to have the same level of success and usually because they didn't have the operating team to allow them to make that happen. So hmm. one of the first things we set out to do in conceptualizing Win was, could we not build an all-star team that you would want if you were running any one brand and then apply that across multiple brands as a portfolio. And that's effectively yeah. what we've built. So to the listeners out there, um, you're taking on these brands in Shopify. At the, at the beginning, were you building their e-commerce platform? Are these companies who weren't on existence on e-commerce at the time, and then you bring them on and build that platform for commerce? Or what did that look like from your perspective to these brands? Either uh, pure startups just launching a website, or yeah. in some cases, they were existing websites, let's say on Magento, that we were replatforming to Shopify, which we did that in many cases. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they built a simple Shopify store themselves and they wanted to upgrade that to something more sophisticated that we could help with. I hope you guys are enjoying this episode so far around Kyle's entrepreneurial journey. I'd like to pause and say thank you to this episode's mid-break sponsor, All33. All33 provides a chair that is slouch-proof Unlike other chairs that allow you to lean back in unsafe angles, this chair is designed to cradle your pelvis and lower back, causing your vertebrae to stack in an ideal posture. If you've been working from home for the past year, you understand that comfort is a necessity for efficiency. For myself, I used to experience bad back pain simply because of bad posture. This chair forces me to sit up straight and focus on what lies ahead, my work. Make sure to check out All33 for yourself at all33.com and use code STARTINGSMALL at checkout to save $100 off your order. That's code STARTINGSMALL at all33.com and enjoy the rest of the episode. When Brands Group comes in 2017, um, and this is a strong focus around your three existing brands that you have now and acquiring with so, many or so much expertise at the time prior um, from scaling D2C, what was your vision for starting Win? It really was to help entrepreneurs in the sense that, um, you know, it's really easy to launch a business today and, and get out there and launch on Shopify and have some level of success. It's really difficult to take that and then have five and 10 and let's say 20 million of revenue, right? That's yeah. an incredible feat because the first zero to five million to, to oversimplify is, is just running through those walls, and just getting there no matter what five to 25 becomes scaling that original concept that was already working and doing that a bit better. But even at that scale, you're running into uh, huge issues. You know, you have three PL issues, you have customer service issues, you have sourcing issues. Mm -hmm. And the reality from, from our perspective is these founders and these entrepreneurs are just frankly asked to do way too much with too little. You know, if you're not raising a ton of venture capital, you can't possibly hire all the people that you would need to properly manage all of these segments of the business that you want. So mm -hmm. build the platform, 
be able to leverage and hire an incredible team, which we've done. We've hired people away from top design firms like Red Antler. We've hired people from IAC and Wayfair and Shopify directly. Mm-hmm. And then allow that team to be the benefit of all the brands that we partner with. So, you know, the first three brands that, that we brought in as part of the portfolio, uh, they're all category leading brands, you know, homesick in the candle and fragrance category. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we partnered with huge brands there like Dunkin' Donuts, Gravity in the weighted blanket business. You know, Gravity is a, a very uh, visible business in this space, you know, shown yeah. on billions and other shows that a lot of us, I'm sure, like to watch. Um, and Kalo as the leader in, you know, silicone accessories. And that's a business that, you know, prior to all our involvement had, you know, professional athletes like LeBron James, Steph Curry, Bryce Harper, all wearing this product, this brand. So all of these founders and entrepreneurs did something incredibly right to get to where they got to. And then now would we as Win be able to come in and really help them take it to the next level? So with Win's involvement into these brands, do you guys take on full acquisition or what does your part look like in t- compared to the founders and et cetera, their team? We'd like to come in and, and take a majority ownership in the business. Um, and majority for us is defined as, you know, north of 50% does not need to be a hundred percent. Yeah. And most typically what we do is take, you know, 60, 70, 80% of the business. We come in and, and acquire that for, uh, what we consider to be a reasonable, um, but value driven price to the founders. Um, they get a significant exit and get paid for all of the value that they've created to date. And then they take the other 20 or 30% that they held on to, and they roll that forward to grow it with us. And they get to do that with the benefit of our team and our roadmap behind this brand. So most of the founders that we chat with, and certainly the ones that we partner with, love the idea of taking a few chips off the table and de-risking a bit, but having a team to be able to really take this asset to the next level. And that's what they get excited about because Obviously, in starting a business, you care so much about where it goes and you want it to get to its best self and and to be of scale and of size. And I think the main thing that we are able at Win to unlock there is we're obviously very good at Shopify. That's where a lot of our company has come from. However, Mm -hmm. we're also really good at Amazon and we're also really great at retail. You know, we're sold at over 7,000 doors today, Walmart nationwide, Target Mm -hmm. nationwide. Dick's, Bloomingdale's. And if you have a brand that's working, it tends to work across all three channels. You just need the team and the bandwidth to get that done. For sure. So something I'm really curious on is what do you look like personally or what do you look for in brands that you're going to acquire on win? So is it a product, the founder, what do you look for when you bring on a new company? So for us, it's all about category leaders. So mm-hmm. we're looking for, and, and you can define these as, as niche categories, let's say silicone accessories, right? Not a category yeah. that tons of folks are looking at. However, when we got in and looked at Kalo, uh, uh, relative to the competition, to us, they were the clear undisputed category leader. So we wanna be taking the category leader in each space, just like gravity in the weighted blanket space. And then we want to see a clear growth path 
for you know forward momentum, which includes three channels, it includes Shopify, it includes Amazon, it includes retail. And if we can check the boxes on that, then it becomes about the people. Obviously, we want to partner with founders that we have a high level of respect for and that see the world the same way we do, which is we can really help them, you know, take these assets to the next level on something that they've already built in a tremendous way. Amazing. So I'm not sure if you, you could want to answer this question, but within five years, where do you see when going on acquisition numbers, et cetera? So for us, you know, the, the, the smartest thing that we can do is continue to focus on partnering with incredible assets. So if you look at Homesick, if you look at Gravity, if you look at Kalo, um, these are all category leaders. So yeah. our pipeline of conversations of groups we're chatting with uh, has dozens more of assets just like that. And if we continue to partner with great assets like this, you know, you step forward, you see a portfolio of a dozen plus incredible brands, and that could end up being an incredible public company. It will certainly have the size and the scale to be so, or we may decide to, to keep it as a private company. But either way, we've taken businesses that were already working, we commercialize them to a size and scale that they likely would not have been able to get to on their own. And in the meantime, by the way, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I yeah. love consumer products. I love these businesses. Um, all of our products, uh, I'm a customer of. All of our brands, I'm a customer of. I had not slept with a weighted blanket until I tried Gravity. <laughs> and it's a very different experience. The only way to describe it is you sleep much deeper. I don't have deep yeah. sleeping issues anyway, but I sleep even as a non-issue sleeper that much better with it. So it's always fun to be mm. able to experience the product yourself. Amazing. I like to conclude each episode with this. If you could share one piece of advice with an aspiring entrepreneur, maybe something you've learned or regret, just anything, what would that be? It's so tough. I mean, there, there's so mm -hmm. much. First of all, um, you know, getting out there and, and, and just being an entrepreneur, I, I have so much respect for. You know, mm -hmm. I think it's, it's not easy to do, and I, I think most people should remember, uh, most people don't get the opportunity to do that. So just having the opportunity to do that, number one, is, is uh, consider yourself lucky, or at least I do. Um, but my advice would be, you know, look, you, you don't have to do it alone. So yeah. if you're starting out relatively small, you know, find a mentor, find a network of people who can help you. Uh, one of our core mantras at Win Brands, and, and Win, by the way, stands for what is next. So what brands, what technology, what partners can we bring to the table to help these entrepreneurs? One of our core mantras at Win is don't recreate the wheel. You know, it's easy to fall in the trap of thinking that every challenge is a new challenge. But the reality yeah. is there is always someone, there's always a brand that's that's come up with this challenge previously. So if you can network yourself and be open and communicate with these folks, you can really push through these challenges, <clears throat> excuse me, much faster. Mm -hmm. um, and then as you grow, you know, think about the size and the scale that you want to get to. And maybe there's a team like Wynn who can help you accelerate that path. But Generally, you don't have to do it the hard way. You know, be open to that network and taking on you know advice and mentorship, and look for those opportunities where you don't have to recreate the wheel. Because 
you're going to run into enough problems as it is. Uh, so yeah. if there are problems that can be solved, you know, in a, in a fast and efficient way by learning from others, you know, definitely be open to that. For sure. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for joining me. And to the listeners out there, make sure to check out Win at winbg.com and check out their amazing companies they represent as well. Perfect. Thank you, Cam. Appreciate the time. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small Pod on social platforms to keep up to date on future guests.